Spirit. Glory to you, O Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So little one very furiously practicing the sign of the cross over here. I think he could give me lessons. Today's gospel is not about lines. I mention that because I remember as a kid, whenever this would come up, especially at school mass, there would be a fight in the lunch line about who was last rather than first. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, Last May, I had to do one of the hardest things I've ever had to do as a priest, and that is I had to go to the basilica to cancel their Spanish mass. Now, mass in other languages can be contentious. I want you to set that aside for a minute. Hear kind of what happened, because that's where the payoff really is. Uh, I was nervous about this because I was being sent as the bishop's representative. We had to do it once Father Ronaldo decided he was going back to El Salvador. There were too many locations. The priests were being spread too thin. Uh, I was kind of losing my mind at the time. And, um, and the biggest problem was Father Ronaldo, who was the one celebrating the mass, at which I was going to be making this announcement, didn't agree with the bishop's decision. And so I was afraid that, he, that it wouldn't go well. <laughs> so I came prepared. Like, real prepared. I spent more time 
on that one parish announcement than any homily I've ever written. And I answered, I thought, every potential question that I thought that people might ask. Why are, why are you doing this? Well, because we have a shortage of priests and we need to make sure the masses are spread out over the city. Why don't you make one of the other places lose their Spanish mass? Because you're the one located in the wrong spot. Why didn't you come and ask us? Because it wouldn't really make much difference. But I suppose we could have. But, but why? I had, all the, I had all the questions and I thought all the answers. And I did. I really did have the answers to every question I anticipated them asking. The people were not thrilled when I made the announcement, but they didn't, like, jump up and stone me or anything. Afterwards, I waited at the back of the church to talk with people as they needed to, and to my shock and horror, they simply asked all the questions I'd already answered in the announcement. Why are you doing this to us? Where are we going to go to pray? Why our location and not some other location? And I thought, weren't they listening? And then... There was one man in the very back of the church. It's known to several of us that are here. He's old, missing most of his teeth, which made him very hard for me to understand. Um, but he came up, he made sure he was the last one to speak to me, and he took me by the hand and he kept kind of like patting it forcefully. Pavecito, ¿a dónde iré a servir? And he was lisping so hard, it took me like three times. Que, que, que. Father, where will I go to serve? Where will I go to serve? Not where will I go to pray. Not where will I go to get my stuff blessed. Where will I go to see my friends? Where will I go to get my sacraments? Where will I go to serve? And in that one moment, I realized two things. The first one was, I couldn't blame the people who were asking questions I'd already answered. In a certain way, they weren't asking questions for content at all. They were just expressing frustration at the decision, which was totally understandable. And the other thing was that this fellow had a whole different idea of what church is than the others did, at least in that moment. Church means a whole lot of things for a whole lot of different people. For a lot of us, it's home. It's where our closest friends and family are. Many of us grew up here. Our parents grew up here. We were raised here. We're related to half the people that we see on Sunday. For others, church is a kind of social hub. It's where most of my friendships exist. And so the people that I go out with and I hang out with apart from church like, are all, in some way or other, bound up back here. For many of us, church is, I think, a kind of religious mercantile, a sort of spiritual shop where I go to get my goods and services. So I come on the regular, like you do to your favorite restaurant or bar, I toss in my five or 10 or 20 bucks, and I expect, in an hour's period of time, a reasonable sermon, some decent music, and people that at least don't annoy me too very much. 
on those rare occasions that I need something special, like a wedding or a baptism or a funeral, I'll toss a couple hundred dollars Father's way because he's a nice guy and I figure I'm asking him to do a little extra. And to be fair to people, sometimes the church actually operates this way institutionally. Like, we're very used to, in this part of the world, uh, parishioner rate and non-parishioner rate for the religious goods and services that we offer. You want to rent the hall? Well, are you a parishioner? How many years? And then we have two different rates we give you. You want your kid to come to the school? Well, are you a parishioner or not? Because if you're not, it's going to cost you more money. Now, that's not crazy, right? The way we came up with that was a principle of fairness. If people are already tithing, then the idea is that that already goes to support the church. The people that aren't tithing need to put in more to be able to support the thing that they're using. Fine. But part of me wonders, to be honest, part of me kind of agonizes over whether or not we don't have it backwards. If the church is primarily an outward-facing institution, if our job is to bring more and more people to Christ here, to meet Christ the King at Christ the King Parish, then I wonder if we shouldn't actually be offering discounts for the outsiders to bring them in. I wonder if what we shouldn't be doing is finding other ways to bring in those who otherwise wouldn't be here. Now, there's a danger in doing that. Real obvious one, right? You get used. And if you look at a lot of the ministries of the church, we get used all the time. There are a lot of people using that parishioner discount who don't ever intend to come to church. I've got the roles. I can show you. Like, that's a real thing. And so it falls to the pastors of the church and their advisors to figure out the right way to do it. But it makes me wonder, when we make those kinds of decisions, whether we're asking the right questions. Not simply what's fair or just in this particular moment, how do we cleave Solomon's baby when there's a difficult decision to be made, but where will we go to serve? How are we, in this moment, being a mechanism of service. I don't simply mean service here in the sense that we usually use it, like, like social work. Service as, as, as code for social justice or something. The church has very clear teaching on service in the world. We've got a whole preaching series coming up on that in about a month. So we'll get there, I promise. But I'm speaking more broadly here. And that service extends both odd intra, that is inside the church, and odd extra, outside the church. So we're having this this parish summit this afternoon, and whether you can be here or not, I want everybody who's here right now to make a mental note to start praying at 1230. And as best you can, whatever else you're doing this afternoon, if you're not here, check back in mentally every 10 or 15 minutes and say another prayer for the people who are gathered here. The reason for it's this, I'm trying to bring together what is otherwise a very disparate community. Every Catholic church in the world has this problem. If you have more than one mass, you have effectively more than one parish. So in our case, I got five or six, and at least two languages, which means it is entirely possible, if you're a regular nine o'clock Sunday person, your impression of what is Christ the King is this. And you have no idea who the people are who came last night. And you might never ever see them. And they might never ever see you. 
if your time at the parish is spent mostly with the pro-life committee, then you might have no idea what's going on with the youth group. If you're real involved in the Knights of Columbus, you might not have any notion what our Hispanic community is up to. If you're part of the Rosa Mística or the, the Guerreras or the Consagración group, you might not have any idea that the Knights even exist. And don't even get me started on St. Vincent de Paul, the thing that probably does the most outside the parish, but has the hardest time getting people to volunteer from within. That's the reason we're doing this, is to try and put this huge group of people who hold this one thing in common. They come here to pray to become a communion of service. The point is not to have a successful meeting. Whether the meeting has a whole bunch of people or just a few, whether it's largely Anglo or largely Hispanic, on some level, I don't care. What I care about very much is that all of us, as a community, are able to move in concert, together, in harmony. Concord and harmony don't mean unanimity. They don't mean identical, right? Good music depends on harmony, on people singing different notes at the same time. But we can't sing different notes at different times and expect it just to work. We gotta do this together. And if we're gonna do it, it's gonna require some real leadership from me as your pastor and from you, especially those of you that have already exercised leadership in the past and maybe especially, especially those of you who have yet to be called into leadership in the days to come. The Lord cautions us today around preparation. If the master of the house had known when the thief was going to come, he wouldn't have let himself be broken into. Well, gang, we know when all the other people are coming. I literally posted on the sign out front. It's in every bulletin. You know every opportunity you have to encounter these other people that are part of your own community. What we have to do is wait up together, is keep vigil together for the one on whom we wait, who is no individual parishioner, no theoretical convert, no friend or relative we're trying to draw back in, but the Lord himself.